Palimpsest. Noun. Something reused or altered, but still bearing traces of its original form. One billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Hello, and welcome to Palimpsest, a Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I'll be your GM. Our format is a little different this time around. We decided to give each character a little bit of time in the spotlight and do an individual session with each player. So for the next three episodes, you'll get a character-specific session with one of our lovely hosts. In addition to that, I did a little interview with each player on the front end to get a little insight into how they built the character and a little bit about how characters work in the Cypher system. So without further ado, join us as Smallrin continues to uncover the palimpsest that is the Ninth World. So I'm here with Bridget, and we're going to do the first of our player interviews about uh, <laughs> about the characters that they're playing. Uh, so the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and obviously they're going to answer them. It'll be a little more conversational, and then at the end of this, uh, you will get to hear an individual episode uh, for each of the characters where they kind of went around the city and the surrounding area and did a little exploring and a little bit of development on their own. Uh, so it's a little little treat before that, I guess. So, uh, Bridget, you play Smallrin. I do indeed. So why don't we start with Smallrin's character sentence? So yeah, so I play Smallrin Nicolby. Uh, and she is a serene jack who wields power with precision. Awesome. And this is how all of the characters in the cipher system and therefore Numenera are built. They end up with a sentence. So there is a descriptor at the front end, usually an adjective, a type, one of six different classes, essentially. And then after that, a focus, which is usually some longer form where it kind of completes the who does something. So I end up with a character sentence that is a blank, blank, who blanks. So let's start with type, since that's kind of the more archetype uh, kind of stuff that we're used to in an RPG. So mm -hmm. Smallrin is a jack. Explain kind of what a jack is. So jack, I would assume, comes from the phrase jack of all trades. So basically, like, a jack can do a little bit of everything, but they're not necessarily the best at anything. Which is, you know, it depends on how you play them. It depends on what ciphers you get and how you and your GM kind of figure it out. But for the most part, they're going to be kind of your utility character. So yeah, so that was something that I was drawn to because I felt like it would give me a little more room to play since this is the first time I'm ever playing within this system. It gives me a little more license to like go and see something shiny and be like, oh, I want to try that. I want to figure out how that works. It's like, well, technically you can because jacks can do whatever they want. <laughs> Within reason, but yes. Uh, no, yeah, they, they can have... do whatever they want. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they have a flex skill, so a way that you can assign 
a new skill you didn't previously have at the beginning of the day so you have a little more ability to say all right this is what we're going to be facing today and hone your skills for that you might not be super great at it but you at least have a little more edge in that kind of category so yeah jacks have a nice range of utility the flex skill is also something that I need to start remembering because usually I won't remember it until we're partway into a session. And then it's like, oh, yeah, what if someone had something that could help us? And I'm like, oh, wait, I never chose my flex skill for the day, which is kind of cheating. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty flexible with that. Yeah. And it also says at the beginning of the day, not the beginning of the session. So that's true. So then we have the other parts of Small Rin's sentence. So you have Serene. Most of the descriptors are relatively self-explanatory, but how does Serene come across for Smallrin? Serene? I'm also going to find the original descriptor for it as well and just talk a little about how that looks both the same and different. But for Smallrin, at least, um, I liked going with Serene because I liked the idea of playing someone who is a little bit unflappable and kind of messing around with what that would look like to have a character who is not easily surprised, not easily startled or scared, and just finding finding kind of the levels within that. With Smallrin, she's actually turned out to be like a little bit foreboding. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah. She leans into how mysterious she can be, which is very, very fun to play with. So the actual descriptor in, I'm currently looking at uh, Numenera Destiny, but I believe it's in the original player's handbook as well. Serene, you are as still as untroubled water and as smooth as glass. Even when difficulties arise, you maintain your cool, your self-control, and your serene demeanor. Part of it comes to you naturally, but serenity also requires discipline and conscious control of your emotions. I don't know. It was out of the many, many, there are so many descriptors. There are, oh, it's wonderful and horrible at the same time. But (laughs) out of the many, that sounded like both something interesting to play with and the things that you get with it seemed like they would be mechanically fun for me. What I like about the actually all the parts of Cypher System, it allows you to take the description of that and form it into your character. Like Serene for Smallrin is, like you said, kind of foreboding, very mysterious, very almost to the level of stoic. Not quite, but mm-hmm. in bordering on it. Whereas for other people, it might be more like a like a very meditative and calming, uh, welcoming presence, mm-hmm. depending on how you play the character. So I, I love that it's able to kind of morph and, and move depending on how you apply it. Then we have your focus, which yep. is wields power with precision, which is one of my favorites. So I'm very excited to uh, talk about this one. So yeah, wields power with precision is, uh, it's interesting because it was clearly designed for a nano, but it also does make the note that like, if someone like a Jack wanted to use it, it just gives you a little extra oomph. So basically the way it is first described is not only are you blessed with a great command of the Numenera, but you are also trained to exploit esoteries in ways that elevate you above other nanos or jacks or other people in general. I added that last bit in. Ha ha. So yeah, basically it was my opportunity to take a jack and give her a little more experience with basically the cipher systems version of magic. Yeah. I like that because, again, as with the Jack, it gives Smallrin a lot of kind of flexibility 
And it also gives her an excellent cover story (laughs) in that she can be like, hey, I'm not actually a nano, but look at all these notes I have. I'm a student. Right, right. Which is a lot of fun. So with that in mind and seeing how all these things play so wonderfully into Smallburn's backstory, how did you create this character? I know people come at character creation from all different angles. Uh, Did you have an idea of who this character was going to be before you looked in the system? Or did you kind of find something cool and then build something around that? So I come at character creation a number of different ways. And a lot of the times it has to do with how well I know the system. So for this, considering I had never played Numenera before... It was more a question of looking through all of my options, which are vast and got a little overwhelming, but looking through all of them and saying, okay, like what is speaking to me? What is what seems like it would be really fun and what seems like I could get a lot out of it. And so basically I went through and kind of created lists. (laughs) I just was kind of like, oh, I could do a this, this, that is this, or this, this, that is this. I have like a document somewhere with like six or seven different character sentences. Nice. And then after kind of going through that process, I worked through what I had come up with and tried to decide what I could come up with kind of a, a character or a story for. And Smallrin was the one who kind of jumped out, the serene jack that wields power with precision. And it is also one of those things where like serene, my mind immediately kind of went to like a monk or someone like very kind of zen and focused. But then when I was reading through what serene is meant to be and what you can do with it, I was like, I wonder if there's a way that I could twist this and make it a little less wholesome (laughs) sure which like describing someone as serene immediately has a positive connotation in my mind but i liked the idea of taking it and making it a little more not evil but neutral sure yeah and i think you do that very very well thank you so then we talked a little bit kind of about i the the idea of small run but is there anything from her backstory that you want to uh tip into or Uh, reveal a little bit of? Yeah, I think so. So like kind of general, what Smallrin has told people already is that she had a mentor who is no longer with us and she is carrying their notes and that they were a nano. She is not a nano, but she was studying with them. And that's really all that she's kind of given away, except for the fact that every once in a while she'll be just like, vaguely terrifying for no with no no real explanation or suggest violence where it doesn't seem necessary or (laughs) little little things and i will say that mechanically we also get a little bit of insight to this because you are constantly using your espionage skill also that yeah so we so we do that that does have obvious connotations to it exactly so we do get a little bit of insight as to what small rin's previous occupation might have been exactly so yeah that also does make it very obvious to listeners and to the other players if not the other characters that Smallrin was mentored by someone in the criminal underworld and she basically was she trades in information um she is has probably dabbled in assassination but it's not that's a phrase (laughs) dabbled in assassination like it interests her but she considers herself more of a dilettante all right yeah uh (laughs) 
And she really is much more of like an information gatherer, occasionally like a sower of discord. She is much more of kind of a spy, secret agenty kind of thing, but for hire, not for any particular government or anything like sure, that. Sure, sure. But yeah, so that's kind of her thing. And she is currently not, how do I put this? Not so much on the run as on the lam. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. There are people looking for her, and she's basically trying to set herself up so that when they find her, she is ready for them. It's not so much a, oh, I'm going to run and run and run, and maybe they'll never catch me. It's, okay, I'm going to run far enough away that I can settle down and build myself in somewhere. And then when they get here, I'm going to be ready, and they won't. Sure. Well, thank you for chatting about your character. Oh, yeah. This is fun. <laughs> and then, uh, so after this, we'll have a Small Wren exclusive episode, which I think will be fun as well. Mm-hmm. So hope you guys all enjoy that. And thanks thanks for talking. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> after spending a few days recuperating and getting to know the area, what does Small Wren do? I think that Smallrin has spent a lot of her time kind of getting the lay of the land of Lagam, finding out where everything is, where any defensible positions would be, where there are good hiding places, who lives where, and also kind of not necessarily striking up friendships with anyone, but making some connections and figuring out who will be most useful to her and who has power here. So hanging around Farhura's first tree and just chatting up people, but more in the way of letting them talk and listening for what she can learn. She picks up pretty quickly that although... There isn't any sort of like structured government here. It's very clear that obviously Eidos is kind of the de facto leader. But other than that, there are three people who tend to be influential in what happens in the village. Those three people are Rufus, Fahora, and Adriel. You kind of get the sense that they were the founding members of this place. Imagine. I know. Which <laughs> you know, but I am saying for the but sake yes. of the listeners at home. For the sake of listeners at home and Small Wren, who would have no way of knowing that, except she is very observant. I feel like she also... So Rufus is Rufus, and he's very useful, but there's not a sly bone in his body. And Farhura is very direct, but Smallren is taking a little more time figuring out Adriel and trying to see what's going on there, because there's clearly more than meets the eye. And out of people who seem to be in charge, Adriel is the one who seems most likely to be somehow tied into Smallren's world. Okay, um, so that coming kind of coming from more... the background that she does, uh, she's uh, because she fled to the beyond with the expectation she would be followed, and so Adriel seems to be a person who would 
have have either an idea of what's going on within her world outside of where she is now or just be someone with resources that she could go to if she needed help when these followers found her. They are cut from the same dark cloth. Exactly. <laughs> In trying to figure Adriel out, do you spend more time observing her or talking to her or I think I would try to talk to her. I think that like there is some observation happening like I'm staking out basically everyone, but I also know that from what I've seen Adriel knows when I'm watching her, so it's actually more productive to just go speak to her. Okay. After a day Adriel is well aware of your shadow skulking and moving around and watching people. She doesn't seem to mind at all. It seems that she is more amused by it than anything else. But after a day or two of that, you finally go up to her and strike up a conversation. She sees you approaching. You find her leaning against the outer wall, looking to the south. As you approach, well, hello. Fancy holding up this wall with me? I would enjoy that. You seem an interesting sort. Why are you here? Well, I'm a student of oddities in my own way, and this place is more than full of oddities. That is a vast understatement. I imagine that you have a similar interest in oddities to that that I have. You seem to know a lot that goes on here. I'm observant, to say the least. Are you observant only of what passes in Lagam? Or do you spread your net a little wider? I keep my ear to the ground for what I can. Though it's been a long time since I've had direct contact with anyone who might be able to give me large amounts of information. But it's possible that I could know some things you're interested. I assume you're fishing for knowledge. Always. What are you looking for? Really, I just need to know, how much advance notice do you have when someone new's approaching? It depends on from which direction. Typically a day, at the least. Maybe more if they're coming from the north. We have a bit more of an established route that way. From the south, or from the west... A little bit shorter notice. No one ever seems to come from the east. I mean, it makes sense. How often do people come out of the beyond? Well, they do. Just not here. There. At this point, a creature kind of trots up to her and you. It is a kind of dinosaur-esque creature with... Rough, leathery skin and red-orange 
pattern to it, comes up to about waist high, walking on all four legs with a nasty looking claw on the front leg and a sharp set of porcupine looking spines coming out from its haunches facing backwards. Adriel seems unfazed. I will say, before I came here, I never saw so many people interacting with such strange creatures with so little trepidation. Oh, well, this is different. This is Sling. We encountered Sling when we first established Legam, and she's been around ever since. She reaches down and kind of scratches at Sling's ear. There's like ear horn area on the top of her head. Does she mind strangers or should I stay away? Oh, no, she's perfectly fine with strangers. She might not be friendly as she is with me, but she won't harm you so long as you don't harm her. I just kind of hold out my palm to see if she'll interact with me at all. She comes up and kind of snuffles at you a little bit and then kind of does the dog thing where they like breathe out real fast like the <laughs> f- and then kind of like shakes a little bit and walks back to to Adriel and sits down you get the feeling that it's not that that was not like a dismissal or anything just a okay you're here a sling and Farhura has those slugs she brought those with her i Claim to have no knowledge of those strange singing shells. Do they sing? They do. There's holes around the top and they like whistle. It's very odd. (laughs) There's not a lot about this place that isn't odd. True. Very true. So who are you looking for? Oh, I'm not looking for anyone. I think there may be people looking for me? I'd ask what you've done, but I feel like you won't tell me. Me? I've done very little ever in my entire life. And somehow there's suddenly a flask in her hand and she just sips from it very quietly. (laughs) Are you actually trying to like say that or is it that is that a wink wink nudge nudge that's that's a wink wink nudge nudge. okay okay i would have you roll otherwise (laughs) (laughs) no small run's pretty sure that adriel knows what's up oh question also yes are my stats back up to where they're yes they were all of your pools are back up to full after you've rested Basically, if you've had enough recovery rolls, they all go back up to full and you've been resting for at least a day. So you are totally fine. Beautiful. Let me ask you this. How much do you want to try and keep from Adriel? Because if it's just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I do things in the shadows and I know you do too, but not giving details, she's probably going to try and root it out. If you have no problem laying everything on the table, then it'll be, it'll go a little bit differently. It's very much like, you know that I know that you know, but I'm not willing to give her details. Then go ahead and... Roll me intellect defense test of three. And this is basically the how good is your poker face roll. Cool. I'm going to spend a point of effort. Okay. Failed. So 
over the course of this conversation, she kind of tilts her head a little bit. So, was it a job that went bad, or did you just get the wrong information from the wrong person? A little of both. There was a falling out, and then an unhappy reunion in the middle of another endeavor. She gives a side smile and just nods, kind of knowingly. I'm not one to go spilling secrets everywhere, as I'm sure you understand. But I'm curious to know more about you. So let me give you a little piece of myself. And she reaches out her hand and sets it on Sling's head gently, but in a very unnervingly calm tone, simply says, Sling, walk. And you've seen people interact with pets and animal companions before. You know that they can follow simple commands. Something's different about this. You're not 100% sure what, but there is almost a glazed look in this creature's eye as it very obediently walks almost mechanically in a straight line out from the wall due south. You see, I have an interesting connection with darker things. I don't necessarily know what that means. I'm still discovering things about myself, as I'm sure we all are, but this I know. There are creatures about that cannot resist my command. Useful and unnerving. You just described me in a nutshell. Hold on a moment. She walks towards Sling, says something, you assume another command, and both walk back. When Adriel returns, Sling goes back into the settlement, probably to find someone else. Smallren rummages in her bag and pulls out a large, very battered book. There's a lot of pieces of paper kind of sticking out of it. There are places where pages have been dog-eared and extra inserts put in and opens it to the first page, which has a very faded old book plate in it and shows it to Adriel. These are not my notes. Their name was Jola. I've never been sure whether they raised me because they cared or because I was useful but unnerving, but they did. And then they died. How inconvenient. They were a nano, which I am not, but using their notes, I'm able to do some things. Uh, someone who studies the Numenera. That's never been my thing. But I'm glad it's yours. I figure the longer I stay here, the more I can learn about Edos's strange spire. Maybe the more I'm able to do when the people who are looking for me get here. Always helps to be prepared. 
It also helps to have allies. Mm. Perhaps then I can tell you a little bit about this place. Or at least about its history so much as I know it. Myself and a few others were asked to come here to help establish this as a settlement, and it's been slow going for a few years. It's nice that people are showing up now, but when we first arrived, things were odd, as you put it. As you've noticed, you can usually see Edos at the base of the structure in the middle of the settlement, studying, writing, waiting. Really. You see, when we first got here, one of the people that came with us, one of our company, was taken by beings that emerged from a rift that suddenly appeared. Oh. I am fairly well convinced that it was coincidence. Eidos doesn't seem to think so. They seem to think that there's a connection. Those of you that know more about the technology that we find on a seemingly daily basis might see something that I don't. That's where you'll find them most of the time. And if you're looking for things to learn or secrets to uncover, maybe that's a start. There's also a tunnel, she kind of mentions offhandedly. Though, if I'm being honest, I have no idea where it leads or what it does. It's probably has something in it, but it's... I don't know. It, they've tried to dig it out. I keep my attention on other things. It's not worth my time right now. When they find something there, then I will pay attention. Right now, it is little more than a cave. Maybe I'll try to find something then. She stands up and holds out her hand to Adriel. Mm -hmm. uh, Adriel holds out her single gloved hand, her right hand. Just gives a, a shake. Thank you for inviting me to sit with you a while. The invitation stands. Just find me. If you can. Oh, I can. I thought so. First, I would actually like to go talk to Edos. As Adriel mentioned, they are standing at the base of the center structure, this time not writing anything or reading anything. They are leaning up against one of these three tripod-ish legs with their eyes closed. Almost looks as though they're in a meditative state, maybe, seem very serene and calm, and just leaning against this metallic part of the structure. Smallren does her kind of normal thing, which she does with pretty much everyone except Adriel, because Adriel knows when she's coming. But Smallren, like, basically glides up behind Edos uh, and says from what is probably a little too close, Hello, I was looking for you. Do you mean to scare them? A little bit. Okay. They don't jump suddenly, but you can see the small lurch of their shoulders that unexpected sound from very close can create. Oh, were you now? What is it that you need from me? 
I was speaking with Adriel, and she said that you might be the better person to talk to about this structure. Mm. What is it you want to know about it? I'm really just interested in what you know about it. As I've said, I'm a student of the Numenera, and I would love to know more about the most impressive Numenera in the settlement. They look at you and nod very well. I'll tell you what I know, and I'll also tell you what I don't know. I do not know for certain what this structure was built for. I have my guesses, but not a single one as of yet can be proven. What I do know is that this structure, although what holds up the sphere is clearly metal, that sphere is of an unknown substance. It is not synth as we know it, though it is a synthetic material. Have you been able to sample it at all? I have not been able to have a small piece of it that I can run tests of any sort on. But we have been able to reach it, and they point up, and you can see some wires kind of coming down from the center of the sphere underneath. We have been able to reach it and tap into it, in a sense. When we first arrived here, it seemed silent. We learned very quickly that it was not silent, simply out of our range of hearing, for almost any beast that was in the area would not come closer than a hundred feet. For a handful of reasons, the proclivities of some of the original founders here notwithstanding, we decided to see if we could disable that function, which we have with that device that's been connected to it. It is not an exact science, though. Sometimes uncontrollable things happen. As you've noticed, there have been voices, and you do recall that over the past day or so, there is a garbled voice that very occasionally breaks through the low hum that this sphere seems to constantly give off. It's melodic, but completely undecipherable, and even if it was, you're pretty sure it's not in a language that you would understand. Adriel mentioned something about a portal? Edos gets a very dark look on their face. She told you about Nick. She didn't mention a name. She said someone was taken when the settlement was first established. I had been here for a number of days before five individuals came and joined me here. Within the first few moments of them being here, beings with a face like a flat round mirror came out of a portal, a rift. They fought fiercely, and they took Nick. 
one of the people I had asked to come here, and more specifically, I had asked to guide the others to this location. And he's not been recovered? Not in the five years we've been here. I have no idea where he was taken or for what purpose. He could have been taken simply to another settlement here in the beyond. He could have been transported somewhere into the middle of the ocean. He could have been disassembled bit by bit, for all I know. I hope that there will be a way to save him and bring him back at some point, but right now, I'm just trying to find out why here. What is the connection? These things do not happen by chance. And you've not been able to recreate this rift since, I would assume. No. Though not for lack of trying. Do you remember what preceded it? Was there anything that seemed to trip it? Like some sort of trap? If there was, I am not perceptive enough to have noticed. Though I have not doubted that to be the case. I understand that you spend most of your time here studying this object. Yes. Would you mind if I joined you occasionally? I would welcome it. Two heads can be better. Call it three, then. Rufus also joins me on regular occasion. They have a better mind for building things and reverse engineering. They have made far greater strides in understanding the purpose of this structure rather than just what it's doing currently. I would be happy to join the team, although I will have to do it another time, perhaps tomorrow. Right now I have to go see someone about a hole in the ground. They kind of chuckle and nod. Very well. I hope your journeys and discoveries are good ones. Rather than leaning back against the wall, they actually go over to a small table that has been set up near the base of the structure. It's been here for a while. Clearly they set this up near the beginnings of things, and this has become... Edos's regular study station. By the way, this hole in the ground. Adriel had said there was a tunnel or cave, but not where. Yes. Let's see. It's a mostly collapsed tunnel. At least we assume it's a tunnel. I think it would probably, if followed down, uh, maybe go somewhere underneath the settlement. But it is to the southeast, just inside the outer wall. It's been cordoned off, but that is an improper term because it's really just a rope to keep people from tripping on it. I'll do my best not to trip. I don't think you would trip even if you didn't see it. How kind. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I'll see you tomorrow. I will see you then. Right, and I'm going to head to the southeast corner of the settlement. You approach this hole, for lack of a of a better term. It is not 
a hole that goes straight down. It does have a slight incline to it, and it is small at first. You kind of have to look in, and, and you would have to crouch in order to get through the opening. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does have a little rope around the edge, someone trying to keep people from tripping or falling into it. It is close enough to the outer wall that it is out of the way, but not to the point that it isn't easily found and gotten to. Is it is it big enough, like the part of it that's not collapsed, is it big enough to like actually go in or is it just kind of rubble and the impression that this is where a tunnel would be if it weren't filled with stuff? It is big enough to get into a little bit if you here's the question do you go in yes okay farther down the way it does get smaller and smaller probably about five feet in it's com almost completely collapsed not totally it's not a full cave-in necessarily but there are it is definitely too small for a person to traverse that area any further than past that initial five feet and it is almost completely dark looking the rest of the way through okay go ahead and roll intellect of two this is a perception based thing so if you have any training in perception can i use my espionage skill yeah sure cool yay success nice awesome so as you're kind of just kind of ferreting around trying to figure out where this goes or what this is based on the direction that you entered this would clearly go not necessarily underneath the settlement it doesn't tor turn towards like the center it's almost parallel with this outside wall okay you also in looking down um you have like kind of like, kicked up some of the stone and dirt around just trying to like figure out how solid everything is mm. and as you kick over a rock you find a cipher Ye. Ooh, blinking cipher for the next 28 hours each time but not more than once per round the wearer of the device or clothing or armor to which the device is attached is struck hard enough to inflict damage he or she teleports an immediate distance in a random direction not up or down since the wearer is prepared for this effect and their foe is not the difficulty of the wearer's defense is modified by one step to their benefit for one round after they teleport cool but yeah so i currently do only have one cipher so i can take another and the level is 1d6 plus 2 all right so go ahead and roll that d6 i rolled a 3 so it's level 5 wonderful that's pretty great yeah that's nice you know enough about areas like this if you're finding one cipher there's bound to be more mm -hmm. so just keeping that in mind that there's very little chance that this was just randomly left here or found here without there being a reason for it or 
something else that it's connected to. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to like dig through the cave-in or anything. I am going to look around a little bit more, like turn over any rocks that are easily turnable, just to see if there's anything else that I can see. You find that the ground is a little damp. Most of the area topside is relatively dry. It's not a desert by any means, but it's an arid plains area. The ground is damp here. Mm. I'd like to like scrape up a little bit of the damp earth and just smell it, see if it smells like anything strange. It smells like wet earth. Cool. <laughs> I take some notes on a blank page in my notebook just to make sure that I remember everything that I've learned so far today while I'm in a private place. And then I think I'm just going to go back topside and plan to come back with more more people and more preparation because this seems to be something worth checking out. Anything else that you feel Smallrin would want to do at this time? Oh, well, I don't think so. I think at at some point she would... <laughs> In her quest to uh, understand Jory and get Jory to trust her, now that she's on a roll, now that, like, Adriel has given her information that no one else has about them, she would try to find Jory and see if her luck holds. All right. We'll make sure to have that, that interaction. We can do that as a group thing, I think, next time we record. I will make yeah. note of that. Cool. I think for the moment, Smallren is pretty satisfied with her day's work. Oh, I did want to establish the the place that Smallren has kind of carved out for herself. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me where has Smallren been staying over the past couple of days? There's there are some rough tenement structures. People who live here already kind of have some space of their own, but it's still all in in pretty heavy development. So you kind of have a little bit of free reign. So where has she been staying? So she she actually has been kind of moving around. She's been trying to establish, like I said, she's been trying to establish hiding places. She actually has a number of different places throughout the settlement that she's been staying at, like, one or two nights at a time since she got here. And actually now that she's spoken with Adriel and Adriel has said that the West and the South are the directions in which they have the least warning, but the most likelihood of seeing people coming. She's now going to see if she can find a place that has a good vantage point to the Southwest and add to her, <laughs> add to her list of hiding places. She has, there's like an original room, I guess, in one of the kind of tenement areas that they had established that Farhura had assigned to her when she first got there. And she's been maintaining that mostly because that is like, publicly, that is her space. So that's where like, if Jory or Nehemiah were looking for her, that's where they would know to look for her. She established a place as far away from any of the outer walls as she could find, like as secure as possible, far away from any of the outer constraints of the settlement. She also does have, uh, she found basically the highest point in the settlement that is not that central Numenera and carved out a little hidey hole there where she's stashed a couple of supplies and 
it makes for a good vantage point, although that one looks east. And according to Adriel, not a lot comes from the east. So she's going to maintain it just in case, because never say never. But also now she's going to go looking for a place that has a good vantage to the southwest. Awesome. Yeah, that's not too hard to find. While there's, this is not a huge area, there's not so many people here that it's crowded by any stretch of the imagination. So you find a high-ish building with a, by high-ish, I mean, nothing here is any taller than two stories. So you find one of the two-story buildings and kind of get yourself settled in like a little kind of like corner of the roof. And it's kind of like you got you put like a blind up almost. So like it's hard yeah. to notice walking by unless you're actually on the roof for you to see it. Nice view of the setting sun. She sits back for a minute, has a sip from her flask, takes in the sky, looks to see if there's anyone coming from any direction she can see. Not currently, but there very well could be at some point. Mm. Game. Thank you so much for listening to episode six of Palimpsest. If you have a moment, take the time to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a good rating and review on whatever podcast service will let you do so. As a new podcast, every little bit helps since we don't pay to advertise our wonderful work here. As always, feel free to follow us on social media. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at PalimpsestCast and our website at palimpsestcast.com. You can also find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. You can also check out our network, Ghostlight Media, which you can find at ghostlightmedia.net. That's where you'll find links to all the other podcasts in our group, as well as other ways you can help support us. And on that note, we would like to thank current Patreon patrons Atan, Everett, and Carlin for their support. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear another character-exclusive episode of Palimpsest. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Palimpsest is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenlee, and is edited by Pat Mahood. Original show theme music by Justin Longacre. This is a Ghostlight Media production.